Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, thank you for the reality of Christmas, the, the, the truth and the message of a God who loved us that much. Our Father, I pray as, as we are faced around us with the, um, with the erosion of these things, with the attack and opposition to everything that is truthful about Christmas, our Father, I pray this morning that you will re-strengthen um, the hearts of God's people with the magnitude and, and um, the nature of the truth about Christmas. I, I pray, Lord, that we would not lose our footing or we would not find ourselves um, slipping from the pure excellence of the message uh, and the theology of what has been done for us uh, several thousand years ago. And so, our Lord, as we uh, spend some time right now in your word, I pray that it would um, refresh our hearts and re-energize us with a vigor and a passion for everything that is true about this great time of the year. And, Lord, I pray that, that, that our hearts would be lifted up and our souls would be um, uh, energized by the power and presence of God's Spirit. I ask, Lord, that you would, um, that you would enable uh, me to be an instrument of your truth and that uh, together, Father, we would um, um, continue to uh, seek every opportunity, not only to praise you and thank you and honor you, but, Father, to, to reach out uh, because the message of Christmas is definitely... A message of a God on a mission to bring people to himself. There's no doubt about that, Lord. We understand the nature of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that it would um, invade our lives. That characteristic, that nature of mission would continue to impassion us, Lord. And and that uh, we would give ourselves fully to it. So I pray now that, that our time in your word... Uh, would, um, would strengthen us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so what exactly is Christmas? About 40 years ago, when I was at the prime of my life, I must say, Pastor Steve, for on his birthday, he ran and jumped up the stairs. He, he doesn't look a, a minute older than he did a few days ago. That's pretty amazing. But when I was in the prime of my life back in 1971, John Lennon and Yoko Ono put together a song, remember, called This, So This Is Christmas. You probably heard it at nauseam already this year. And it's, it's, um, it's not a very uplifting song, so what have you done? Another year older. I, I just, you know, as you hear the song, you just start sagging. And another, another one right to about to become. And I hope you have fun. You know, it's like, I, I guess it was a, an attempt at rap 40 years ago. But anyway, um, the idea that apparently Lennon had in his mind was that what Christmas really was supposed to mean or what he thought it might mean has been a big disappointment because there's still racial tension, there's still war and all of that kind of stuff. And if we could just get rid of racial tension and war and have no fear, 
then the world would be great. But fear is not the only thing that the world should be concerned about. There's dishonesty and selfishness and immorality and injustice and on and on it goes. Of course, there's been the offer of, by a vowed and militant atheist like the late Christopher Hitchens who said, um, Christmas would be fine if Christ were removed from it. If we could really get the X back in Christmas, then Christmas would be all right. One of our staff members went to a retail store here in Oshawa this week and I was looking for a nativity ornament. And the salesperson said, we've decided not to have that theme this year. Nativity. We've decided, Oshawa has decided to cancel nativity. Last week, you know, we spent some time uh, talking about the fact that the baby Jesus had a past, an eternal past. And um, under sort of the rubric of who is this baby. Well, this morning, I want to spend some time with us talking about what is Christmas. And the reason I do that is because I think it's important for us in terms of gathering together at this Christmas season... While all around us are trying to erode our confidence in, in what we believe and what Christmas is all about, and, and, and I, I don't want any of us here at Calvary to lose our energy or our passion or our enthusiasm for the truth of Christmas. Christmas is among the greatest messages that has ever been brought to mankind. It was right when the angels filled the sky and said, I bring you glad tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so I want us to um, make sure that we have rehearsed over and over again this Christmas season all that we believe while everyone around us is trying the best they can to cheapen and wreck Christmas. But we're not going to wreck it at Calvary. John chapter 1. Remember I told you we'd be spending a couple of weeks here? What message is Christmas meant to preach, to proclaim? Is it just an idea? Is it just a concept that can be subject to change or modification? Is it just love, joy, peace, goodwill, charity, uh, somehow the inspirational spirit of Christmas, whatever that is? Well, yes, but, but it's so much more than that. John begins with the prologue to his gospel with a most powerful picture of theology. And states, in the beginning, in other words, linking us immediately with the text of Genesis. Before all of that, he says, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has... Both translations are legitimate, either not overcome it or not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Note, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We see that all around us. We see a militant choice not to recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but monogenestheos, God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. What a magnificent truth this is to us. Now, I want to give you three transforming realities that I see in this text. There are more, of course, but but three that I hope will encourage your hearts at at this Christmas time. In other words, what really changes the world? It's not a song by John Lennon, that's for sure. And it's not some sort of reconfiguration of Christmas to make it more fanciful or, or, or somehow improve upon it. There's plenty of serendipity niceness that wears off on any given Christmas night in the world as the booze increases. But I want to talk about what really changes the world this morning. I want to talk about what really gets us up every day, what what really ignites our hearts and and causes us to have passion, and, and what really causes us to work with energetic enthusiasm in the midst of Incredible tiredness to get the message of the gospel to the people around us. And the first is this. Christmas is God coming down to us because we couldn't come to him. Let that statement in itself sink in for a few moments when you think about all of the silliness of Christmas around us and, and, and all of the attempts to, to erase the, the nature of Christmas and the Christmas message, who would want to take away this truth that God comes down to us because we can't come to Him? I hope we haven't forgotten that in the Old Testament Scriptures, It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, with us, El, 
God. God with us. And then in Matthew, as the angel is talking to Joseph, the angel says, the virgin, verse 23, will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I hope we haven't forgotten that that promise, that prophetic promise of 800 some odd years before the original nativity was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. And John is speaking in his prologue and stating, it is this one who came to be among us, this one who came. The word was made flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And what kind of a God would do such a thing? A God who loves us, a father who loves the world, a world at absurd opposition to him, and yet he loves us. God in person, that's what Christmas is. God coming to us in person. You, if you're wondering what God is like, look no further than Jesus. That's the message here. John says in verse 10, he was in the world. He came into the world. The world, by the way, John says, that was made through him. The very creator God came into our world in person. And that world did not recognize him. Not only that, he says, he came to his very home, his own, his homies, the, the ones who apparently religiously were looking for Messiah. And they did not receive him. This God, knowing full well that as he would come to this world, he would be rejected by the creation, he would be rejected by the man he made, the woman that he made, and he would be unwelcome by the very people who claimed to be religious. That's Christmas. Emmanuel. God coming to be with us. The clearest visible manifestation of God is Jesus. That's why he says in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory His glory. In other words, supremely his goodness. It's it's really a reference to the the very moment where uh, Moses was tucked in the cleft of a rock. Remember when he was somewhat losing his confidence uh, in terms of leading the people of God. And and God put him into the cleft of a rock and, and, and said that his presence would pass by. And in that particular text... In Exodus 33 and verse 19, it says there, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And John says, that, that glory came among us 
That very excellence of God, the glory of God has come among us. As you think about the grandeur of Christmas and and, and all of the cheapness around it, the, the magnificent glory of the living creator God has come to be among us. Emmanuel, God with us. From the beginning of the book to the very end of the book, it has always been God's intention to dwell with man. Always has been God's intention to have a very intimate relationship with the highest of his creation, mankind. And it was that horrible sin of Adam and Eve that that set up this artificial barrier of sin that separated mankind from God and our relationship with God. And it it was at that point that, that God himself, out of his grace, came looking for them in the garden. You remember? It says that God was searching for them, that he might dwell with them. Right through to the book of Revelation, where it finally declares that now the dwelling of God is with man. It has always been the energetic and passionate purpose of God to dwell with us in relationship. Emmanuel, God with us. And so the coming to earth of of the Son of God is always the modus operandi of God. So he's Emmanuel, God with us. God in person, but he's word becoming flesh. Literally, God is speaking the message in person. Think about this. When John declares in verse 14 that the word became flesh, he is saying that Jesus is delivering God's message in person. The key outcome of this manner of communication, often communication is simply about concepts, about ideas. The outcome of this manner of communication is is not an idea. It's not a concept. It's a person. God's message in person delivered to us. I, I mean, think about that. Think about what God has done, to, done for us. When Jesus speaks, it is not merely a prophet. It is not just a human being bringing to us the concept and ideas of God. When Jesus speaks, it is God speaking. That's the message John brings to us here. The Bible is the declaration of a person, Jesus Christ. In person, he comes to us in Christ. And as we understand that and fully comprehend it, it puts a whole different urgency upon our treatment of the word of God. This, in the person of Christ, is God speaking to us. And when we speak the message of God, when we speak the word of God to others, it is the powerful message of God, not words and concepts and ideas. 
The word of God is a person, Jesus Christ. Christmas is about God coming down to us. Why? Because we couldn't come to him. That's why that very same angel in speaking in Matthew chapter 1 says that she, verse 21, Mary will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God with us, Emmanuel, God in person. Word becomes flesh. God is speaking the message in person. But here we have Jesus. God is saving. Jesus is not just an instrument or uh, on some sort of mission of mercy. Jesus is God at work repairing the consequences of sin in person. God did not just send a messenger, a prophet. God came to do the work himself of repairing our disconnection from God. This is the powerful message of Christmas. Christmas is about God at work so that he can bring humanity back into a relationship with himself so that Emmanuel, God, can dwell in us. This is a response to the message that Moses asked of God in Exodus chapter 33 when he asked the question of the Lord. How will everybody know you are with me? And here's what he says. How will anybody know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? John says, that's precisely what God has chosen to do in Jesus Christ. He has promised to come and save you from your sins and yourself so that Emmanuel, God with you, will go with you. So that people will know that God is pleased with you. So that you will know God is pleased with you. How do you know God is pleased with you? How how can I know God is pleased with me? Because Jesus is my Savior. He is mine. He belongs to me. I belong to him. He's with me. By that very reality, God is pleased with me. By that very reality in your life, God is pleased with you. What that means is that you can experience salvation realities in your life. That Jesus is with you as Savior means he's saving you from yourself and from your sins. From separated sinners, it says he gives us the right to become children of God. That's why you have to go with, to Jesus by believing in his name. God saves. And then he offers you the right to become children of God. So Christmas is about God coming to us because we couldn't come to him. But here's the, here's the message. Um, 
here's the message of the power and transformational power of the message of God and the desperate scenario and situation of our world. The question that we should be asking ourselves is why? Why is there such a concerted effort to strip Christmas of everything theological? And the simple reality as John plunges us into this, the nature of the gospel, is that he says, because the world is in darkness. The, the horrible situation that our world finds itself in is an inability to comprehend the things of God. An inability to recognize God, an inability to receive God. That's why the Apostle Paul, in quoting from the Old Testament, says, no one understands in Romans 3. No one seeks after God. In fact, it's just the opposite. Our world is not neutral toward the things of God. Our world is in opposition to the things of God. Make no mistake about it, this is not some effort at being tolerant of one another. This is an agenda to strip everything that has any relationship with Jesus Christ from the Christmas season. It's an agenda. And here's the powerful news of what Christmas is. Christmas inaugurates the final push at defeating the stranglehold darkness has on the world. Now, they may keep chipping away at every vestige of Christianity as it relates to Christmas, but here's the thing. Everything humanity does is marked against this visitation of God. Every time somebody writes down the date 2011... They are, in doing that, conceding to this great visitation of God. As they wish each other a happy new year in 2012. While Christmas is, gone, is at least a week old. And, and everybody thinks it's gone past. And... and, and Oh, finally, we can get all of the Christ stuff away from us and, and we can get on to partying in the new year. Happy New Year 2012. Bang! It's a recognition of the visitation of Jesus Christ. Every atheist who's ever lived and has dated their own birth date has dated it against the reality of the visitation of Jesus Christ. And so, as they try, try as they will, there still is nothing they can do about the fact that the whole world marks off the date when God's champion came to earth. That's the reality around us. And so it's this great irony of life, to be honest, that the very medicine that could cure humanity is vigorously rejected. And to heighten our awareness of the stakes of this cosmic battle, Jesus Christ is born at night. Verse 
Into the night, Jesus is born into this world. In a picture of the hostility of this world, darkness, imprisoned, unable to recognize even their maker. Nicodemus doesn't understand the things of God. He comes and he visits Jesus by night. Judas comes to betray our Lord and Savior, and he slinks away into the night. The Gospel of John heightens our awareness of the cosmic battle and says this is about light and darkness. This is about life and death. The stakes here are significantly high. Battlefield is a world in love with darkness, not neutral. There's not an open curiousness about the things of God. And you know why that is? Because light always demands accountability. It does by nature. Because it exposes reality. You turn on the lights... And you can see what's in disarray. You can see what's dirty. Light always exposes reality. And darkness does not want reality exposed. And even when he came to his own, even when he came to his home, even when he came to those who were religious, they didn't want to welcome him. Because his light would have put their fantasy religion at risk, out of business. When your actions are bad, concealment is your friend. Dishonesty, immorality, disloyalty, disunity, all thrive under cover. Humanity is in a state of sin, not from bad choices. Bad choices are made because humanity is in a state of sin. Humanity is trapped in darkness and unable to escape. No freedom to escape. Only the uncomfortable reality that light has come and exposes people for who they are. That's why the concerted effort is so vigorous. Light stands against the darkness in stark contrast. Light exposes the reality of who people really are. And if we can just keep the light away from us, we have no, our fantasy world is not exposed. And so if we can push the Christ of Christmas out of the picture, then we can get on with our darkness and continue to get on with the way we really want to live, which is self-centered and sinful. But no one can get away from the reality that the light has already shone. Jesus Christ has already come. The truth of the gospel is already upon us. And it exposes people for who they really are. And it's a horribly uncomfortable way to live. Corrupted, confused, in denial, but exposed nonetheless. Jesus didn't come to be a cuddly baby to make a nice world nicer. Because it isn't a nice world. He came to do war because he loves the world that is absurdly opposed to him. Can you imagine? 
a world that seeks to continue to dress its darkness in sexy. He says the world was made through him and it didn't even recognize him. Listen, when you deliberately refuse to acknowledge the light the word brings in creation, you will deliberately set yourself to fail to recognize the light the word brings in redemption. If the world, and that's the argument that Paul has in Romans chapter one. If the world will not acknowledge its maker, it will be in sorry shape to even um, approximate a recognition of its redeemer. It is a reckless game to play loose and free with truth as revealed. That's why God parades creation truth daily before our very eyes so we won't get sloppy or soft or skeptical about creation. The heavens declare the glory of God every day. But we live in a world that, uh, whereby rationalism has almost done a complete takeover. Science is running the external world and psychology is running the inner world. That's the world we live in. Now, I want to quickly say I'm not anti-science. You know that. I'm not anti-psychology. But it is a replacement in our world for God. The world that I live in, the orientation that I have, the worldview that I live in and that you live in is God made this world. And science and psychology have to fit it within that package. That's the world we live in. That's the world we believe in through Jesus Christ. And the problem with science running the external world and psychology running the inner world is there may be room for some sort of vague God. But there is absolutely no room for a personal God self-revealed in Jesus Christ. No room. And what concerns me is the worship of science and psychology is becoming the white noise background distraction in postmodern Christianity. To ver- through varying degrees of romance. Let's be very careful that our science and our psychology come in line with the God who made us. Because this one came to be among us. So where does all this take us finally? It takes us to the powerful message of John 1.12. Christmas is not just another message of hope in a sea of alternative offers of hope. It is the only hope. God coming for us to save us in Christ Jesus is the only hope for the world. Let's understand this, that in the whole salvation deal, Jesus alone holds exclusive rights. He's the only one who can give the right to become a child of God. If you wish to hold to multiple faith systems, count Jesus out. That's the message of the Bible. That's the message of Christmas. That's the exclusivity of Christmas. That's the absurdity of trying to make Christmas work for everybody. It can't. You can see that, that in, in, in an attempt to make 
Christmas work for everybody, the only one, the only casualty of that is Christ. Christ is the one that has to be removed in order for it to work for everybody. Because Christmas is exclusively about Jesus Christ. There is no other hope. There is no other message. There is no other goodwill. There's no other love, peace, charity, generosity. It doesn't exist outside of Jesus Christ. That's the message that John brings to us. That's the message of all the gospel writers. That's the message of the scriptures. And the good news, he says, is that Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came armed with the gifts that this world truly needs. Think about it. A world steeped in self-centeredness and lies is presented with a savior of grace and truth. To the self-centered world, absurdly opposed to God, he offers his grace. Not because the world deserved it, not because you and I deserved it, but because God is gracious and kind and not willing that any should perish, and he brings truth to a world that is lied to. And without Jesus, humanity has lost through sin its ability to recognize God. Although we were made through him, we did not recognize him. Although he came to his very own, we did not welcome him. But here's the good news. To as many as did. This is the open-ended invitation. This is the invitation for you this morning. This is the reason for each of us to have hope. This is the reason why we will put on a child's presentation tonight. This is the reason why we will host a Christmas Eve service. This is the reason why we will host a Christmas Day service. This is the reason why we have continually put out the gospel message. This is the reason for hope. It says here that that God dressed himself in flesh so, so that our eyes could see and so that our ears could hear and so that our hands could touch. And the message that he gives us is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's the only good news for each of us. What was impossible for you or me has been made possible because of Christ. We could not overcome the darkness. Darkness has overcome everyone. There is only one who's ever overcome the darkness, and that is Jesus Christ. And John says, this is the good news. The true light, Jesus Christ, has overcome darkness. Light shines and pushes darkness away. And what does that mean to us? When the true light shines on us, darkness flees and comprehension occurs because it says here that that there's a recognition and now this recognition of who God is turns into a welcoming, a receiving. That word receiving is, is to welcome. And by the way, it's not just 
Oh, yeah, yeah, God, you can tag along in my life if you want to. That'd be cool. I'll just sort of add you to what I've got going on. No, it's, it's a throw open the doors of every possible part of your life, your heart, your everything, and to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. That's what receiving, that's what welcoming is. I mean, think about it when... When, when you're a host and, and someone comes and you really love the fact that they've come to visit you, you throw open the door of your house, you throw open everything that you have and you say, welcome, 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 I'm so glad you're here, come in, come in. That's what this receiving means. It means to, to open up everything, allegiance and, and, and com- com- complete loyalty to Jesus Christ to say, I recognize him as Savior, I recognize him as Lord, I recognize him as King. That's why he puts juxtaposed, receiving is believing in the name Jesus. That God saves. And by believing in him, he gives the right to move from a state of sinfulness and bad choices because of that state. And darkness of unable to recognize God for who he is. To being in the family of God. That's what's at stake. As they pillage and take away pieces of Christmas. Truth. Ultimately, they are robbing our culture, of an opportunity to have the right to be called children of God. To have a powerful transformation take place in a person's life from the inside out by that same Holy Spirit who engineered the human birth of the Son Not by natural descent. Not a human decision. Not by a husband's will. But born of God. Because Christmas is about God's champion coming for us. Moving us from a broken world to one that can be put together again by him. From a broken life to a life made whole. From a story that's ruined to a new story of life. From alone and lost and rejected to the family of God. That's the magnificence of Christmas. Our Father, I just pray that God's people would be recaptivated while everyone is picking and pulling and chipping and breaking and eroding and pulling it all down. Lord, would you cause your people to stand strong in the theology of Christmas, unapologetically. It is an exclusive message of life transformation.
And we will not give it away as a cheap holiday to turn more of the tricks of darkness into a reality. And so, our Father, I pray that you would enrich us, those who know you as personal Lord and Savior and King, who have received you, believing in Jesus as Savior. And now, Father, as our eyes are closed, on your behalf, I want to extend an invitation In the event that there's someone out here this morning who would say, I have never recognized the truth of Jesus Christ before, but this morning, God's Spirit has opened up my eyes and my ears and my heart, and I want to receive Jesus Christ as my own Savior, King, and Lord. I believe Jesus is Savior, and I need my sins to be forgiven by Him. I want Emmanuel, God with me. I want Christ. I want God to be pleased with me. I want Jesus to come with me. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because that's what I want. You just slip up your hand if you're here in the, in the room this morning and that's your message. You've never done that before, but you're saying, today, I want salvation to come to my heart and I want you, Pastor, to pray for me. Is there anybody here? Anybody in this room? This is a a powerful offering of salvation. Do not turn it away. Anyone? Our Father and our God, would you continue by your grace to call out and draw people to yourself, I pray. And Lord, I want to thank you for those who have recognized and received, welcomed and believed and are now given the right to be children of God. Thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a couple of Christmas carols that sometimes I I can't actually get through and just simply sing them. They just... I just find myself overwhelmed with emotion. One of them is Silent Night. There's a couple of others that... I I don't know what it is. It's just God impacts me with the weight of how much He loves us and what He's done for us. I, I mean, think about it. Creator God who made us offers Himself as an offering, comes in person to do that. And not with a, an, an entourage of welcome, but rather into a world that was hostile and dark and wanted nothing to do with him and ran him to execution as fast as possible. And what can we do in return? He made it possible for us to be an offering and give our lives as an offering to him. That's the message of Christmas, is a a God who offered himself and an opportunity for us to offer ourselves to him. And in so doing, he gives us the right. Can you imagine that word? We don't deserve any rights, but that's the right word. He gives us the right 
to be called children of God. When you have Jesus Christ as your own Savior, you, are, you have every right to say, I have the right to call myself a child of God. Imagine. That's what gets me worked up about Christmas. And the excitement and enthusiasm that in this Christmas season, there are so many opportunities for us to reach people for Christ. Make sure your own heart is enthusiastic and passionate about Christmas and about Christ of Christmas, that it might be contagious, especially in the sad and sorry of people around you who are having this message taken away from them. We are becoming it. We are it, the only message. So let's give it all we have and live it with all of our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Father, I ask that you would um, receive all the honor and glory. And would you please, Lord, cause us to shine as stars in the universe the truth of Christmas, I pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you.